quick questions about Congress with Kilmer. Hi, this is Representative Derek Kilmer from Washington State's 6th District, welcoming you back to my podcast called Quick Questions About Congress with Kilmer. Uh, Today I'm sitting down with Representative Tim Murphy from Pennsylvania's 18th District. Pennsylvania 18, tell me about it. Pennsylvania 18, the southwest corner of the state of Pennsylvania. It includes some Appalachian areas uh, in Greene County, uh, which is right at the corner of the state and the end of the Mason-Dixon line. It goes up to the suburbs of the city of Pittsburgh, which is uh, suburban areas, uh, industrial areas where they've made a lot of glass in the past or some steel uh, factories are still there. But it's also an area that's rich in coal and natural gas and uh, nuclear uh, engineering related to Westinghouse Corporation, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of precision machining related to the nuclear and defense industry, uh, and some uh, six or seven different universities there. Do you have in your district the famous sandwich shop that puts french fries on the sandwiches? The Primanti Brothers Sandwich has a number of places in my district, and it's often copied, never duplicated All right. as that sandwich, because you got to put the right kind of french fries on, the right kind of is coleslaw. Is it delicious? On. It really is good. I re- like, literally, it's my reason for wanting to come to your district. Well, come, come there, because <laughs> the whole thing is, though, when you go, you can't say, hey, could I have that sandwich on the french fries? They'll say, yeah. Go get it somewhere else. When people come visit your district, what's the what 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 do what do people do for fun? If 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 I were to be a tourist in your district, other than eating delicious sandwiches with French fries on them, what would I do? Well, it, uh, you'd be flying into my district because the Pittsburgh airport is there. Okay, we have some uh, great golf courses because the legendary Arnold Palmer, may he rest in peace, yeah. was a good friend and from the district. Is that right? And so that yeah, oh, so there's some that? great golf courses there. Uh, even the famous Fred Rogers was from my district, Mr. Rogers, Trobe, Pennsylvania was an area where he grew up, and many of the parts of the Fred Rogers show were the places in the district that he made reference to. That's awesome. Uh, it's got some great history there. Uh, for example, the Whiskey Rebellion, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, yeah, but sure. back in the 1790s when Alexander Hamilton was still trying to pay for the Revolutionary War and some other debts, they said, hey, let's tax whiskey. And the folks in western Pennsylvania still hurting a little bit because they thought those war bonds they bought were worthless, and they sold them to those Philadelphians for pennies on the dollar, only to find out they were totally good. Uh, then we're told they're going to tax their whiskey, which was basically their currency. They rebelled. Some shots rang out. Um, a couple of people were hurt in that process, killed. George Washington, the only time a president of the United States donned a uniform as commander-in-chief, marched from Washington, got as far as Bedford, PA, before he got a signal to get back to home, but the rest of the troops came, quashed the rebellion, and the trials ensued, but no one was hung. And, that. and one of the interesting people who came with that group was a young lieutenant by the name of Meriwether Lewis. Oh, no way. Who scoped out the area, checked it out, and later on, after working with Thomas Jefferson in the White House, getting ready to make his great Lewis and Clark expedition, said, hey, I know just the spot to start this. Let's go to Pittsburgh. I now want to go to Pennsylvania's 18th district. You, you sold go. me. So um, I know your background was in mental health, right? Uh, we were a psychiatrist. Or I'm a psychologist. Okay, still, psychologist. I'm the only right. practicing mental health professional in the elected federal <laughs> we government. We could use a lot more. Well, we could, <laughs> and it, you know, it's interesting uh, that uh, members are aware of that. You know, it's a it's a stressful job uh, for lots of reasons. You know, none of us can. We're not whining or complaining, but it comes with a lot of a lot of stress there. But it is. Uh, I I ended up getting into um, trying to work on some uh, legislation back when I was working in my private practice or mm-hmm. working in local hospitals. And then recognize somewhere along the line, well-intended elected officials sometimes do not understand, and sometimes you just got to step up and run for office and do it. That was the motivation. That was the motivation for me. There was even moments, too. I remember I worked in a newborn intensive care unit. Mm -hmm. There was a moment there where I was seeing a young baby, premature, very small, uh, hold it in your hand, withdrawing from uh, addiction to, I think, crack cocaine. Mm -hmm. 
and recognizing that the mother was back out on the street, the father was unknown, and it really was a matter. I, said, I turned to the nurse next to me. I said, I've got to stop being at the bottom of the waterfall. I have to be at the top and do something about this. She said, what are you going to do, run for office? I said, yeah. I had no idea what I was talking about. But it really became one of then working on mental health issues, substance abuse issues, a wide range of family issues, health care reform. It was what ensued from there. What, um, it, so you initially served in the Pennsylvania State Senate? State Senate, that's right, for and six years. And then when did you run for Congress? In 2002. Um, so what was the driving force behind running for Congress? Getting high up the waterfall. I mean, I recognized that a lot of the issues that I wanted to work on needed a bigger perspective. Mm-hmm. I was able as a state senator to pass some uh, health care reform laws that dealt with managed care, which was more like managed money in the 1990s, where mm-hmm. insurance companies manage your care by saying no. And the best kind of managed care is when they manage your care by saying, yes, here's where you're going to go instead of the emergency room. Here's how we're going to prevent you from getting sicker mm-hmm. and wrap care around you. But that wasn't happening in the 90s. So I pushed for some changes there, passed that law. But I saw things looming in the federal government. In fact, I remember having many a discussion with President Bush and his cabinet those days. I said, we've got to reform the health care system. It's out of control with costs. It's not doing the right things. And mark my words, it's going to come up. And sure enough, it eventually did. Yeah. Um, what do you think about this place? You've been here a while. I've so. been, well, I've been here in my 15th year. Uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing place. A, a tremendous diversity of people, parts of the country, and thoughts. I mean, sometimes people get very upset. And they say, Congress doesn't do anything. There's gridlock. What's going on? Well, I can't believe what that person said. And you have to remember that people represent their district. And people are passionate about their district. You want to get people here who are passionate. And some people are very good at working across the aisle, sitting down, solving problems together, which Americans may not understand that that actually takes place here, but it does. And there's some people who are very passionate about making sure nothing gets done. Mm -hmm. And that's fed by a media that uh, is on the 24-hour news cycle. And and press, as you know, they swarm all over us here. Someone's trying to get the story and get it out there. And that ends up disrupting a lot of things. Uh, It's... um, it, it, I think it interferes with members really being able to talk candidly and trying to solve uh, problems that America needs solutions for. But I still believe there's a great many people who want to do the right thing. Our country's gone through some volatile times. Whenever we think about it's tough now, I stop and think about, you know, I look at those statues of Abraham Lincoln. I think what he had to go through, what was it like for Franklin Roosevelt when he was dealing with the world collapsing. Um, and so we just have to have the courage of convictions and find ways of working together. And I think that those Americans who want Congress to work, that's a great message for them to tell Congress. Sit down, solve the problems, get to work. We expect that of you. Or we can have a nation of just people attacking one another personally, which I think is destructive. You had a good example of that last year, working on mental health issues. And and probably a good example of something that probably certainly didn't get a lot of cable news attention because it's not an example of us fighting with each other, but right. actually makes a pretty significant dis- difference for the folks we represent. It made a big difference. First of all, thank you, you for You want to talk about that? Sure. Well, America's mental health system is, is, a, is a mess. 16 million Americans are affected by mental illness, 10 by severe mental illness, which includes schizophrenia, severe depression, bipolar illness. And of those 10 million Americans with severe depression, five, 4 million get no help. They, you, we know them by being on the streets. We know them by sometimes being in hospitals if they can get there. There's, they, sometimes they'll be in emergency rooms. Sad cases, sometimes they end up in a confrontation. They end up in jail. But 80%, uh, excuse me, 60% of people in our jail have a mental illness. Um, and that's not the place to treat mental illness, no more than a heart attack. But when someone's committed a crime, they've got to do some time. But what we've done in our society, we've closed on all these big psychiatric hospitals. And then we end up with... Um, 
jails filled with them and wonder why they keep cycling through the jails. So our bill found there's a lot of problems the federal government has, but they can solve it. There's 112 federal agencies that deal with mental health, but not very well. They don't work together. Mm. It's very fractured. So this bill appoints a new office of the Assistant Secretary of Mental Health to coordinate and evaluate those agencies, uh, eliminate some of the duplicate things. For example, there's 26 homeless programs the federal government funds. Somehow it seems to me we're better off reducing that and sending the money back to the districts to help the homeless. We uh, have a l- funds in there to help with suicide prevention, more providers, a psychiatrist, psychologist, more hospital beds. It's a wide range of things, more training for policemen. Uh, it's some of the most substantial mental health reform in, our, in the last 50 years. And what's exciting about this, we battled for almost four years to get this bill done from positions where people thought we had no chance, no one gave us a chance. I remember reading you know, the Thomas, which rates bills and likelihood of passage. Mm-hmm. Um, our bill, when, when introduced for the first six months, was given a 3% chance. It ended up passing the House by 422 to 2. And those two guys don't vote for anything. So, <laughs> so I call that as yeah. a unanimous vote. And, and again, I thank you for that because what, yeah. what I did is I ended up traveling the country uh, uh, to 20 different cities in 14 states, talked to newspapers throughout the country, and, 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 and they, we had 100 newspapers endorsing this bill. And so the grassroots of America spoke up. This bill was not a top-down bill. This came from all those Americans suffering knowing what a struggle it is to have a family member with this, knowing that they cannot get help, uh, knowing that even insurance companies were weak on following through in payments. Uh, and if we don't solve this problem, we will have more tragedies. This was initially, uh, I think the wake-up call was the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting perpetrated by a, a very disturbed young man who was not getting help. And uh, we need to change that. Now, most, m- most mentally ill, should say, are not violent, but the ones that catch the news are those. And if that's what got us motivated to do this, then so be it. I had a, after my first term, I'm in my third term now, after my first term, um, I sat down with the local paper in my district and they asked, uh, what surprised you most in your first term in office? And I gave a completely non-political and honest answer. I said, mental health. I said, it just comes up all the time. We go to the school district, it comes up. You know, I talked to law enforcement, it comes up a ton. Uh, Social service providers. I went out to Joint Base Lewis-McChord, which is the military base just outside of my district, and I asked the three-star General Brown, you know, what keeps you up at night, thinking he was going to say terrorist or budget cuts. And he said, mental health. He said, I lost more soldiers to suicide than I have to Mm. enemy combatants. Still that way. I'm a a Navy psychologist right now. I'm a Mm -hmm. commander of the United States Navy. I work in at Bethesda Hospital now called Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20 plus suicides a day, far more than in combat. Right. Although many of them are older veterans, many, many of them are younger ones. Uh, National Guard has a, the higher suicide rate than Army uh, uh, duty, there to, uh, the active duty folks. Uh, a serious problem. I should say some of my first exposure to some of these problems actually occurred in the state of Washington. I remember visiting Walla Walla. Mm-hmm. I remember I did an internship at Shelton Correction Center, which I think is outside your district. Yeah and another psychiatric hospital, I don't know what it is, but I remember at that time interviewing some of the inmates and the psychological team was interviewing them and said, see, some of these guys are pretty disturbed. They need to have other care. And they said, well, they were either sent to the forensic unit of the hospital or if they're not sick enough, they stay in the penitentiaries, uh, but which is still not a good place to treat. And that was back in the 70s. Yeah. We have not advanced that far. And so our bill is really meant and designed to change that. What was amazing is after some of the initial resistance that came about with this, even mental health agencies says, well, we don't believe Congress is going to do anything, so nobody wanted to endorse it. Mm. Over time, the number of members that came by and started telling their story, a family member, a friend, someone who, t- who came to their office and told them, sometimes themselves, things that members have struggled with. And one by one, we ended up with over 200 co-sponsors of this bill, and it's just a, just a 
landslide of support, but now we've got to do more work on this. But it's, it, it shows that Congress can work on something when people really uh, understand the, the value of doing it. Well, I, I sure appreciate your leadership on it and your partnership on it as we work on this inpatient bed issue that's a real challenge, not just in my district, but in other parts of the country, too. That, that's massively important because what happens is when psychiatric hospitals close down, in the 1950s, we had 550,000 ho- psychiatric hospital beds. At that time, the population country was 150 million. And we needed to close some of them because some of them were just bad places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we recognized that we could treat a lot of illnesses with medication. And it used to be a place where people, quite frankly, just dumped a relative. Mm-hmm. But we went too far. And now we need, oh, there's about 38,000, 40,000 hospital beds in America. We need 100,000 more. And so we've got to have facilities for treating mental illness, for treating substance abuse. Um, because sometimes when a person is in crisis, you can't just say, go home and, and pull up your bootstraps. Mental illness is a mental disease, yeah. and a lot of addictive disorders are involved with mental illness, and you got to have a place for people to get that help, or we are fooling ourselves. What's been the, the best day in this job? The best day in this job? Well, you know, you have the excitement of, of the first day of swearing in, and you're wide-eyed. It's uh, Some people say the, the best two days of a person who owns a boat are the day they buy it and the day they sell it. <laughs> <coughs> I wonder if that's going to be for Congress, too, but... Uh, I th- the moment that bill passed was really exciting for me when it came out of committee after almost a bare-knuckle fight all the way through. I mean, I remember myself, the chairman, we had tears in our eyes. And I remember saying on the, on the House floor in a speech, saying this would be one of those moments, m- if members pay attention to it, that as this bill becomes law, they will be able to look back at that moment among all the moments they had in Congress, of things we've done, bills forgotten, bills remembered. But this will be a moment in this legislation where we actually saved lives. That's, that's a big deal. Um, anything you'd change about Congress? Well, I would find ways to get members of Congress to interact more. And sometimes those things seem, you know, maybe um, the people quite don't understand, but there is very little place that members of Congress spend any time together. Um, at the back of the chamber, there's an area called the Speaker's Lobby. It was a place for a century and a half where members just hung out together. Both parties would mm-hmm. sit there, they talk. In the old days, you'd have a cigar, <clears throat> you'd sit by the fireplace and you'd talk. That became an area where the press hangs out, so members would not go there anymore. Yeah. There's a Republican cloakroom, a Democrat cloakroom, and mm-hmm. near the twain shall meet. Yeah. And other than on the floor, uh, there's not a place. And even in committee rooms, there's a Republican cl- uh, library, there's Democrat libraries in each chamber in each uh, committee room. So people really don't have a way of doing that. I believe there needs to be a lot more of getting people together because, first of all, it's it's hard to hate up close. And secondly, you build friendships. Uh, In the days, they tell me the days when, uh, someone said some of the worst things happened in Washington was airplanes and air conditioners because then people could leave and come and go out of town. Uh, And now I think it's it's, it's the, the loss of those relationships where people could sit down. I've had many a great discussion or debate in the evening or some of the times with a friend on the other side of the aisle or on my side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. And you still leave as a friend because you, yeah. you, you respect the differences of opinion and you don't get personal. But in a, in a world of a 24-hour news cycle where people are feeding upon each other and billions of dollars being spent to an attack ads to destroy someone's character, it's not arguing issues. That's destructive to America. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Americans quite see that yet because they still see, well, people pick sides, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all those things, Instagram, send in po- pictures, try to embarrass members of Congress, deluge in the office with phone calls just for the purpose of, of hurting their, their offices. We are, we are all going to be um, the victims of that uh, as our nation. People think because they're angry, they must be right. 
and therefore they'll continue that on. And anger really has nothing to do with being right. It's an emotion. We need to be thoughtful again. So I think bringing people together is the secret to making this nation work. Yeah, I, that, I think that is it's one of the most stark differences between uh, this place and my time in the state legislature. I don't know if the Pennsylvania State Senate was uh, more collegial than... Yeah, we, <laughs> we had a, we, there was a room off the chamber where you yeah. could get a snack and members of both parties sat there all the time. Yeah. And the people that stood out were those who were just kind of ornery cantankers and wouldn't work with anybody. But both parties would say, you know, don't talk to that person. They're not going to work with you. Yeah. But we worked things out. We had yeah. many a bill that came through unanimous because people just worked together. And it happened. You mentioned uh, air conditioning and airplanes. Uh, how do you get home? I sometimes drive, sometimes fly, depend yeah. upon the boat schedule and the flight schedule for driving for me. It can be anywhere from four hours to seven hours Oof. based upon time of day. If it's four hours and it's afternoon, I can get some calls done. Yeah. But uh, if it goes longer, the longest my record was 23 and a half Goodness hours. Gracious. Snowstorm. Yeah. Stuck out on the highway. I luckily had water and food, <clears throat> but there it was. <laughs> but generally. And how uh, long is the flight? You fly to Pittsburgh. Yeah, flight's about 50 minutes, okay. uh, wheels up to wheels down. And yeah. uh, Too short to do anything. Yeah, and the airport's in my district, so yeah. I can get a lot done there. Not so bad. That's yeah. a little bit different than, than my commute. Yeah, you really come to hate longer. everyone on the East Coast. Um, I always end, uh, my first job was working in a video store. I always end by asking people about their favorite movies. Any, uh, any go-tos for you? Uh, well, I've got a whole host of favorite movies. <laughs> Some of them may seem strange. Maybe this goes back to my days as a child psychologist. I love Walt Disney movies. Oh, I love animated movies, yeah. especially the old ones. Uh, the old real animated movies. Yeah. Uh, um, and some of the other ones I like are some of the great westerns that are out there, Stagecoach. I love yeah. John Wayne movies, et cetera. And all those things are um, just, uh, and sometimes when I can't sleep at night, quite frankly, I put, take my laptop out and I'll put on an old episode of Bonanza or an old, <laughs> an old western I've never even seen before. Uh, just take my mind off of work. That's awesome. Back in the days when right was right and wrong was wrong. High that's noon. A, high noon. That's yeah. another good one, too. Yeah, that's a good one. You have a good sense of that. Awesome. Well, um, Tim Murphy from Pennsylvania's 18th District, thanks for joining me. Great being with you, and uh, thanks for representing the land of the gooey duck and the Rainier beer. <laughs> thanks.